Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Wheels up, everyone. Welcome to the latest installment of EPL Insights, courtesy of Pinnacle and with data supported by our good friends at InfoGoal. I am Gareth Wheeler alongside, once again, Andrew Beasley. All the great work we did on last week's pod, all for waste. We previewed the entire weekend. I think it was the best episode we've done to date, Andrew. And it's all a wash. No games played uh, last week with the passing of the Queen. Seven games will be played this week, so a little bit of an abbreviated installment this time around. A A lot has happened, though, over the course of the last 10 days or so. Uh, most notably, Thomas Tuchel out at Chelsea. Um, it looks like Adam Lallana is going to be uh, the, the interim manager, but Brighton's not playing this weekend. Perhaps Bo Svensson or someone else might come in and take charge, but that's really the lead story football-wise over the course of the last 10 days or so. And I wonder what kind of knock-on effect this will have for the markets or projections for what may help happen with Chelsea, the top four, and the rest of the Premier League because of it. Yeah, it's a really interesting appointment. It's quite rare these days for one manager to move from one club to another during the season. It hadn't happened um, for eight years, uh, so it is quite unusual. But it, it looks like a it looks like a smart appointment by Chelsea. Obviously, at this point, we don't know quite what the Todd Bowley era is going to be like compared to Roman Abramovich. Um, obviously. He was happy to fire the manager every couple of years, and it, it looked like Bowley might do that when he got rid of, of Tuchel. But obviously, with with Potter, Graham Potter, I think he—if you ask most people who was the best manager outside of the of the big six clubs—I think he's the name that would come up um, most frequently. Uh, he's also been um, playing a back three a lot of the time at Brighton, which is obviously how Chelsea have played. So you would think there wouldn't be too much of an issue of him moving from one club to the other, sort of similar-ish tactics. So hopefully they might, um, you know, get up to speed quite quickly. Obviously, we don't really know at this point what his target would be. I mean, it seems unlikely that Chelsea are going to challenge for the title this year. He's got... Um, no experience of Champions League football. Uh, he sort of famously said he hasn't even been to a Champions League game um, in his life at this point. So, clearly, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have experience at that level. I mean, by the time people hear this, I think Chelsea will have played, but, you know, it's just one game. So we won't learn too much from that. So, yeah, interesting to see what he can achieve quickly because obviously the the uh, the standard procedure at Chelsea is two years, and if you're not doing what the the owner wants, then then you get the boot. But clearly, that that may have changed now. But um, yeah, a good appointment. Good to see an English manager getting a chance at a big club, and interesting to see what he makes of it. What's incredible to me is seemingly um, Tuchel being removed from his position was more about vision or the way that the new owner, Todd Bowley, and this um, new regime at Chelsea Football Club, how they want to take this club forward. Chelsea, you you know, they've stumbled out of the gate, but they're not the only ones. They're still a point better than Liverpool, six at the table. And I understand when you lose in Champions League to Dinamo Zagreb, it's not a great result. It's a massive letdown, but I was a little bit surprised because if this was about vision or where you want to take the club, why not do this before the season even begins? It seems like a little stop-start, even though... The Potter move happened relatively quickly. It, it, it just signals maybe a little bit of disorganization or a, 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 maybe a little bit of um, 
of a delay in, in, in sort of approach by Chelsea. So this might be a side that it will take time, some time for them to grow and turn into whatever Todd Bowley in this new regime wants them to be. Yeah, they had quite a strange summer in a way because whilst they bought um, some good players, it seemed to be quite a scattershot approach to shall we go for this guy, shall we go for this guy? I mean, at least if you believe what you read in the in the papers, which is always a bit of a risky uh, strategy. But clearly, about a week before they got rid of Tuchel, they signed Aubameyang, who said he wanted to play under him again, and obviously they know he's from Dortmund and things like that. So it seems odd to have to have signed him, not thinking you were going to get rid of the manager. And if that's the case, they've sort of they've turned on the head very quickly on that. So, um, it, yeah, hard to know quite how sort of thought through this was. It seems like um, Tuchel and Bowley weren't quite seeing eye to eye. So I guess in that instance, it's it's perhaps inevitable that it that it happened. But, um, yeah, it, it's been something of an odd summer for Chelsea. But as you say, I mean, they're not out of it by any means. They've um, had a reasonable start to the season and I'm sure they can recover from one Champions League loss. But, um, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're definitely going to be one to watch over the rest of the season and see what happens. Uh, Chelsea not playing this weekend. It's one of the three games that's being postponed. Their match against Liverpool, which would be great because Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool certainly don't look the side that they've been in recent seasons as well. Brighton doesn't play either, which perhaps just gives them that little more of a runway. Their match against Crystal Palace is postponed, but they're fourth place in the table right now and look to be a really intriguing outfit. What does Grand Potter's um, departure mean for this side going forward? It, it, do you give Potter the credit or, you know, Pep Guardiola has famously said this week, you know, it's about the players. It's not the manager. Are you buying that, Andrew? Well, it's like everything. I suppose there is perhaps a little truth in that, but it's not the, the full story either. I mean, obviously, I think most people would say that Brighton are sort of better than the sum of their parts in terms of the players. So you probably have to give some credit to to the manager there. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, the, the, the tactics don't change all that much, but, you know, he's he's not afraid to sort of move players around within the system and things like that. I mean, we've seen Mwepu playing in the front two in the last couple of games, which very few people would have anticipated, but that's what they chose to do. And, um, you know, they beat Leicester 5-2 doing that. So, um, you know, it looks like it worked out. But um, no, I think he deserves huge credit there. But Brighton's a very well-run club um, in terms of, you know, how they do their transfer business and everything like that. I'd imagine they've got um, at least ideas in mind for for who the next manager is, even if they're not able to attract them. But they'll they'll no doubt have been prepared for this eventuality, particularly with Potter having performed as well as he as he has. I mean, he's, his name has come up in the past for the Tottenham and, and other big clubs. So it isn't a surprise that, that he's moved on, even if it, it did happen very quickly, as he himself has admitted. You know, I don't think he was thinking he'd be moving to Chelsea, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, but that, that's what's turned out. But um, Brighton should be well-placed to appoint another good uh, manager, probably someone a little bit under the radar. And um, obviously it will be difficult to maintain what Potter has achieved, but you feel that they're a club that are, are run well enough that it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, Bo Svensson was the name that was being put out there um, uh, from Mainz. He's done a wonderful job in the Bundesliga thus far. It seems to be a popular name in terms of what the markets are suggesting. If you like Chelsea and if you are a Potter believer in Chelsea, they have the fifth shortest odds to finish top four at plus 110. That's behind City, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. Worth the punt, Chelsea for the top four, Andrew? Well, they'll certainly be in the mix. I mean, that feels about right, fifth favourites at, at this point. I mean, um, I guess now is the time to bet if you think they will, because if, if Potter gets off to a good start, then th- those odds will probably shrink. But um, 
I'm not sure. I think it's going to be quite fiercely contested. It, it might not be that, that that any team runs away with it this season. I mean, most likely Manchester City, of course, if anyone does. But the others could be all at sort of broadly the same level. So it could be a year where it, where it goes down to the wire. So um, I wouldn't be going large on Chelsea just yet. Right. Uh, Manchester United, by the way, sixth shortest odds at plus 159. Interestingly, Liverpool, despite their struggles out of the gate, second shortest odds to go on and win the Premier League title. It just, this Liverpool side looks markedly different than it has in recent uh, recent years. That's why this Chelsea-Liverpool tie, it's really unfortunate that it's being postponed because all kinds of intrigue would have been wrapped around that one. We should mention the third uh, game that's being postponed this weekend is United-Leeds, all deemed to be high risk, high priority, in terms of policing, obviously, uh, not enough policing uh, available to ensure the safety of everyone involved in these matches. So we're down to seven games, whether you agree or disagree. This is where we're at this weekend. So let's dive straight into it. Starting with two games upcoming on Friday, we're going to focus on Aston Villa and Southampton out of the gate. Villa 17th in the table, hosting 12th place Southampton. Uh, Matty Cash is now out for Villa as well to go along with Diego Carlos. Uh, Villa haven't won in three without a clean sheet in their last nine. Both teams have scored in five out of their six games, and they've been the first to concede in four out of five. They did draw 1-1 with Man City last time at home. Perhaps that's a galvanizing result for this Villa side that's really struggled out of the gate. Um, Southampton, after a really good start fell to Wolves in their last game a couple weeks back. 1-0 was the final. Livermanto, Lavia, Duje Coletta Carr is a doubt for Southampton. He hasn't played a game since that transfer day move that brought him from, from Marseille to the South Coast. Um, Southampton without a clean sheet in their last three. They played in games with more than two and a half goals, seven out of nine, and have been the first to concede as well in five of their last six. Head-to-head, Southampton has scored first and been the first-half winner against Aston Villa in five of their last seven meetings. And home wins for both teams last season with a clean sheet involved. Villa play, they're a favorite here, Andrew, at plus 110 and away win at plus 275. The over-under set at 2.5, minus 113 for the over, plus 103 for the under. How are you looking at this game here? Two sides. Is one going to take the step forward here? Because both have shown some ability both have shown areas of this as well so what do you make of this tie well i think first and foremost it's a really big game for for steven gerrard because the point over manchester city will have eased the pressure on him probably a touch but obviously that's not a game where they're expected to win or one where they would have expected probably to take anything from it these games against the likes of southampton are the ones that they really need to be winning to start sort of moving in the right direction and and up the table um as you said, last season, Villa won this 4-0, four, four but the, the two prime meetings both ended 1-0, and I think this could be another um, pretty close game. Uh, so far this season, Southampton have only had one game settled by more than one goal, and Aston Villa have only had two. So these teams have been involved, <clears throat> excuse me, involved in a lot of close games. When you look at the expected goal data for the, for the seven games we've got, this is the one that is most likely to be a draw. Um, it's the 12th place team for home expected goal difference versus the 11th place team for um, away expected goal difference. So with all of those things sort of pointing towards a draw, I think that's possibly the way to go, uh, which is currently plus 261 on Pinnacle. The interesting part for me is, uh, courtesy of InfoGoal, the expected goal differential for Aston Villa minus five point seven, just minus point or just minus half a goal 
in terms of expected goal difference for Southampton. Have Villa been that bad and Southampton that respectable in your eyes thus far? Um, I'm not sure about that. When I think about it, to my mind, they sort of seem fairly similar. Um, And I guess, you know, it could be a case of um, results determining sort of opinion rather than um, the underlying process. I mean, if you look at their expected goal stats, they should have had one win, two draws and three defeats each um, based on the underlying numbers. So really, they've, they've been very similar. But I think most people would say that Southampton have, have probably looked better so far, and indeed they do have more points. But I think, it, you know, in reality, they've, they've, they've been pretty similar. So, um, yeah, a, a close game. I, I, I should have asked you before, so I'll ask you now. Does the extra week off mean anything? I mean, both sides are in the same boat here. D- does it matter when you're looking at the numbers, Andrew? It doesn't seem to a lot of the time. I mean, obviously... Um, you know, these teams aren't accustomed to playing European football, so it's sort of not uncommon for them to go a week between games. Um, so this 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 probably shouldn't make um, too much difference. But of course, as with as you said before, with the results, I guess the, the result of the match may make it look like it has made a difference. It's often that way, but um, it, it's unlikely to make too much difference here. I think both managers will have been grateful for a, for a bit more time on the training ground, though. I suppose that's the case, but that applies to both of them. So whether that's a factor, we shall see. Uh, we'll come back to the other Friday game a little bit later on, but let's go and move on to early Saturday morning. It's Wolves hosting Manchester City. City second in the table, Wolves down in 14th, but coming off that aforementioned win last time out against, against Southampton for the, whole, for the home side. Uh, Diego Costa has now joined the side. Um, he was the Erling Holland before Erling Holland invaded the Premier League. Uh, um, Costa, back in 2014, scored nine goals in his first seven games. I know that this is eight years on, but still Costa is going to be leaned on to lead the line for Wolves. Uh, Wolves haven't lost a game in their last four, but have scored less. There have been games that have uh, featured less than two and a half goals. In five out of their last six. Man City has played in the Champions League. They played Sevilla Sevilla last week. They played Dortmund at home on Wednesday. Um, two draws away from home thus far for Man City in the Premier League. Uh, though Erling Haaland, those 10 goals and expected XG, those 7.5. I mean, that's a real headline. He even scored a brace in the Champions League away in a 4-0 win at Sevilla as well. Uh, Laporte and Walker remain questionable. Is that the one thing City have leaked uh, goals uh, at, at some rate to beginning to, to begin this season? Akanji has joined the team. City haven't lost in their last eight. They've been the first to score in seven of eight, and they've scored more than two and a half goals or been in games with more than two and a half goals in six of seven. Head to head with when these two sides play, more than two and a half goals have gone off four to five games, both teams scoring, interestingly, in four of five as well. Wolves haven't had a clean sheet against City in their last five. City won their last four games, being the first to score in five of five and being the first half winner in four of five. And in last year's games, both teams to score actually dating back in their last three times that they played that's come off in the last three games that they featured against one another, where at least four goals have been scored. When these two teams have played in recent vintage, Andrew, there's been plenty of goals scored by both sides in this fixture. Do you expect it to play out the same this time around? No, I'm not. I'm not sure if it will this time. Um, I think the Costa signing is an interesting one for Wolves because obviously they weren't left with many options once their um, new signing, whose name escapes me, injured his 
his ACL and probably out for the season. So they, they were limited in options. But when you look at yeah. when you look at Costa's recent career, I mean, he's got 16 league goals in the last five years and 19 yellow cards. So when your forwards getting more bookings than goals, you've you've probably got a bit of an issue. And and the thing with Wolves, I mean, you don't even have to look that closely at the numbers. Just so much their sort of rankings for different stats. They're they're tenth in the Premier League so far for shots, which is which is sort of fine mid table. But they're fifteenth for expected goals, and you combine those together, and they're only and they're nineteenth for expected goals per shot, with only Bournemouth below them. And obviously, when you think of Wolves, you tend to think of sort of uh, spectacular goals from outside the box, from the likes of of Neves and guys like that. But obviously, those things aren't aren't really repeatable. And when you look at Diego Costa's career, I mean, when he played for Chelsea for three seasons, he scored roughly 10 league goals above his XG figure, but he was around two below for the last four years he had um, at Atletico Madrid. So that suggests that if you give him good chances, he'll do okay, but it's not certain that he's going to get those Wolves. I mean, they're, they're not a world apart from Atletico Madrid in style in that they, they play a lot of games where they where very little happens. You know, they don't give up much, but they don't create much either. And so I'm not sure if he's going to address their problem of, of sort of low quality chances. In terms of this match specifically, I mean, there's quite a few games this weekend that look quite one-sided where the favourite winning to nil looks the likely outcome. And I think this is is probably the most likely of the lot, whether you look at the data for this season or, or even the, the longer term data stretching back over over last season as well. The Wolves attack has been generating only about one XG per game. And aside from they've played Spurs, their other five matches have been against the five teams directly above them in the table. So you have to think if they're struggling to create chances against the mid-table sides that they're going to struggle, obviously, against Manchester City, um, even though obviously City have conceded a few more goals than we than we might have expected at this point. But um, this looks to me like one for City to win and, and Wolves not to score, which is currently plus 133. Interesting, because I had it circled both teams to score at over two and a half at plus 137 or both teams to score. You can find that available on Pinnacle at plus 101. Look, Wolves are a steep underdog here, plus 850 to win, plus 465 for the draw. Um, I, I, I totally get it. City now will have played two games, both in the Champions League, since Wolves played last um, I wonder if that comes into the equation, Andrew. Like, I really like some of the moves that Wolves have made and bringing in better talent. But even at the end of last season, their XG and their underlying stats did it, it reflected rather poorly on them. So it's kind of difficult to what to make of this side because with players like Neto and, and Nunez and, and Podence, I mean, they have some good players in this side, but it seems like their game model perhaps might be holding them back here. Look, City's credentials, you know, jump off the page. You know, they're still the overwhelming favorite to go win the Premier League. Um, and I'm trying to justify to myself why Wolves can make game of this, but you just simply, based on the numbers, don't believe that that should be the case. No, it, it is hard to to think that they will make something of it. The only thing probably in their favour is that um, Manchester City record um, play on Wednesday evening. We're recording Wednesday afternoon. And obviously the game is 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. So that is um, a quick turnaround and they are playing away from home at Molyneux. Um, but that, that apart from the circumstance, just... Purely on its merits, um, yeah. Wolves, with the form they've shown this season, it's I can't see them causing City too many problems. But uh, as we say, the quick turnaround might just give them a, a sniff of a chance. 
us. Good stuff. Um, Spurs played in the Champions League this week, fell 2-0 away at Sporting Lisbon. Both goals coming late. Marcus Edwards, why didn't they keep him? He looked brilliant against his former side. Spurs take on bottom of the table Leicester City this weekend. Spurs sit in third place. Harry Kane has five Premier League goals. The only real injury in the Spurs side is Lucas Mora. Uh, Spurs have been in games that have featured less than two and a half goals five of the last six, but have scored the first goal in five of their last six games. Leicester City, a couple weeks to regroup. It seems like Brendan Rodgers is being back for now. Um, coming up that 5-2 loss against Brighton, they're going to be looking for a response. Ricardo Pereira still is out. Ryan Bertrand is out as well. They're without a clean sheet in their last three. They've been in games with more than two and a half goals in five of seven, and both teams have scored in five of seven as well. Head-to-head when these two sides play, more than two and a half goals has come through, six out of seven. Both teams scoring five out of seven. Spurs have won their last three against Leicester City, but are without a clean sheet sheet in four and Leicester City are without a clean sheet in three. When I think Leicester City, I think of a team that regularly concedes goals. That's why the number for goal total is at three minus 104 for the over minus 106 for the under. Spurs still a favorite here despite their midweek loss minus 194 for the win plus 349 for the draw plus 600 for the away win uh, for Leicester City. How do you see this one playing out, Andrew? Yeah, this is a fixture that's uh, traditionally produced goals in the last few years. There's been a 5-4 win for Tottenham, 4-2, 3-2, 3-1, quite a few um, goals normally. Uh, But obviously that was against better Leicester teams than than we're seeing this season. Um, They're one of only three teams in the division without a clean sheet. And I think interestingly, when we look at this, um, they finished eighth last season, which was a lot higher than the stats suggested they deserved. But fair enough, they finished eighth. But away against the top seven teams, they drew two and lost five. And all of the defeats were by two or more goals. And they also have only won four away games since the start of last season, um, all last season. And they were against the three teams that went down and Brentford, who were playing their first top flight season since 1947. So against established Premier League teams, it's been a long time since Leicester have have gone to one um, and come away with all three points. And, it, and it's hard, It's very hard to, to see them doing that here. Obviously, Tottenham weren't great against Sporting, but the gap from Tuesday to, to Saturday is enough that you think they should be able to recover. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is a good coach and the extra time on the training ground may benefit him. But with Leicester's record going back for over a year, it's very difficult to see them getting, them, getting anything here. Um, certainly a bet on over 2.5 goals or something like that wouldn't wouldn't be the worst shout in the world. I think my pick for this is Tottenham Hotspur minus 1.5 on the handicap is at plus 133. And I think they should have enough to win by two goals. As I said, Leicester frequently lost by two goals to the top teams last year. And it's it's easy enough to see them doing so again here, I think. Yeah, uh, it, it's one of those bets that I consistently like in favor when Leicester City plays over the goal total. So I'll take... Over three at minus 104 is my play in this game. Similarly, I love Brentford when they play at home as well. And this weekend on Sunday, they play at home against Arsenal. Brentford are eighth in the table. They're undefeated thus far in terms of their home play. They're coming off a 5-2 win over Leeds and then Ivan Tony Hattrick. Um, no losses in their last four overall for Brentford. No clean sheets in their last three. And both teams to score has played in four to five games. 
Arsenal still remain top of the table. Their Europa League contest against PSG was postponed on Thursday. It's being bumped to mid-October, which will then that go on and cancel or postpone their match against Manchester City, if you follow me here. Um, Arsenal, in terms of injuries, Emil Smith-Rowe and Elneny are out. Thomas Party is now listed as questionable. Uh, Arsenal, without a clean sheet in their last four games, have gone over the goal total of two and a half in six of six. Both teams have scored in five of six as well. And Arsenal being the first to score in six of eight. Um, Head-to-head, no clean sheet in their last three games that these sides have played. And home wins for both last season, which plays into why I like Brentford here. Brentford won 2-0 in this fixture last year. Brentford are an home underdog, plus 349. They're an elite home side in terms of their XG, as well as their production. Plus 299 is the draw, minus 123 for an away win for Arsenal. Am I off base here to continue to bang the Brentford at home drum? Because for me, that number is too good to pass up on. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think this is this is similar to the um, Villa Southampton match, albeit at the right end of the table, in that it, it's two teams with like sort of pretty similar expected goal records so far this season. Um, both should have four wins, one draw, and a loss according to the underlying numbers. But Arsenal have got two points more than that, and Brentford have got four fewer. But they, you know, they, they've had pretty similar seasons performance-wise at this point, and obviously Brentford have been very strong at home. Actually, against the big six teams, which is which is quite unusual. I mean, last season they beat Arsenal on the opening weekend of the season. They had a couple of draws. They had a couple of one-goal defeats. And the only team who had a better result than that was was Manchester United, who won three-one. But even then, the expected goals said that the Brentford were the better team. And obviously, we've all seen what happened when Manchester United went there um, earlier this season. Mm. I think, as you said, um, Brentford's price looks. Long. I mean, the, the underlying data from this season suggests they should be plus 225. The data for last season says they should be about plus 101. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but um, clearly they, they look to be a value play this weekend. If you don't like, you know, the, the, the plus 349 and a home win for Brentford, the handicap is set at 0.75 and it's minus 113 on Brentford in that. So you're still a win with a home draw or a win. And if Arsenal win by a goal, it's half your money back as well. Yeah, that that wouldn't be a bad bet at all. I mean, I think what we can be probably certain of is that there should be a few goals in this game. I mean, five of Arsenal's six have paid out on over 2.5 and five of Brentford's have paid out on both teams to score. So I was looking to combine them. Both teams to score and over 2.5 is a plus 112. If you want over 2.5, that's minus 138. Both teams to score minus 143. Um, any or all of those bets, I think, uh, are certainly worth considering. Backing Brentford, my second favorite play for this week. We'll get to our, our best bets, our favorite plays in a few moments' time. Let's move things ahead. It's Everton and West Ham. Uh, they play as well this weekend. Everton 16th in the table. West Ham 18th, which looks a little bit wonky considering the talent and the promise that that side showed last season. Uh, this game is going to be played on Sunday as West Ham is playing in the Europa Conference League on Thursday. Four straight draws in the Premier League for Everton. They have a lengthy injury list. 
Townsend, Godfrey, Mina, Holgate, questionables Calvert-Lewin, and Decore. But the big one is Jordan Pick- Pickford, who starred against Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby. He's out for a month with a thigh injury. So welcome back to the fray, Asmir Begovic, the one-time Canadian footballer. Uh, Everton, less than two and a half goals in, pl- in games that they played in five of five, both teams scoring in six of seven uh, for them. Uh, out for West Ham this weekend, Johnson uh, is added to the list where Cresswell, Cornet, and Suchek are all question, uh, questionable for this one. West Ham without a clean sheet in their last three. Head dead when these two sides have played less than two and a half goals, has cashed in six of eight. West Ham did win both games last season. Uh, Everton, a home underdog, just slightly, plus 204 for a home win, plus 235 for a draw, plus 154 for a West Ham away win. The goal total, it set at two... Um, 2.25 minus 116 for the over plus 106 for the under Everton have played these low scoring KG games thus far this season. I know it's a different goalkeeper, Andrew, but should we expect the same for this one? Yeah, I think so. There isn't, there isn't likely to be too much between the teams. I mean, they're ranked 14th and 13th for expected goal difference so far this season. Um, and as you mentioned, while West Ham have a good record against Everton, um, the recent wins have included two 1-0 wins at, at Goodison Park. And this could be sort of similar. They've been a little bit unlucky away, um, West Ham, because they failed to score against Nottingham Forest despite generating over two expected goals. And as we discussed last week in their previous away game at Chelsea, they were on the wrong end of, of a terrible VAR decision, which I think most people would have would have not given and, and they would have had a draw in that game. So that they have been unlucky away from home. I think in in the cold light of day, they would look a good money line bet at they plus one fifty four. Yeah, but obviously with them playing in Denmark on Thursday evening, it, it's you know David Moyes doesn't rotate too much, and that could take a bit of a toll. But um, as you say, the the, the low goals total looks pretty pretty much guaranteed. I mean, they've they've only got five players between them who've scored a league goal this season, and there's only Anthony Gordon with two um, who's got more than one goal. So there's there's no sort of goal scorers in form particularly in this game. So I'd be looking at a low goal thing um, and two point two five as you mentioned is plus one hundred six, and the two point five is minus one two five something like that but um yeah pretty dour game i would imagine and uh, not too much gold mouth activity unfortunately right um low scoring absolutely i'm kind of with you i lean to the even despite them playing in denmark on thursday um plus 154 that might be a play for me we'll have to see what the lineup looks like i'm gonna wait on that one before making the play i cannot see too much line movement unless there's a significant injury or happening between thursday and the sunday fixture uh, let's move on quickly to address the, the final two games of the weekend. Nottingham Forest hosts Fulham. Forest is 19th. Fulham is 10th. And have had a really positive start to the season. Um, Forest doesn't have a clean sheet in their last three. Fulham doesn't have a clean sheet in their last five. That stands out for me, Andrew. There are away wins for both of these sides. Last year in the championship. I wonder if the two weeks off, who it's going to pay more dividends for Steve Cooper and Forrest trying to amalgamate, figure out how, what he's going to deal with these 20 extra players, but Fulham were busy at the transfer window as well. Dan James, Willian comes in, uh, Kurzawa as well. There's some players that need to be acclimated under Marco Silva as well. Uh, Forrest, a slight home uh, underdog plus 185 plus 244 for the draw plus 163 for a Fulham away win. How do you see this one playing out? 
Yeah, I think you're right when you say the extra time um, trying to integrate the players will probably help um, Nottingham Forest, and I think they're a, I think they're a good bet for this match. Um, they've been quite hard to read, really, when you look at their numbers. They've been sort of competitive in three of their matches, uh, which were sort of settled by no more than 0.5 expected goals, and they've been sort of blown out in the other three. But they've obviously played teams like. Manchester City and you know we say that for pretty much everyone that's going to have an effect on the numbers in the small sample we've got so far this season um the bottom three teams according to the expected goal results so neither of them at least in terms of performance has been that good as much as Fulham have have looked the better of the two but I think Nottingham Forest at plus 188 looks a good bet um 185 it is now sorry and also um both teams to score at minus 130 I can see a few goals in this one uh should be quite an exciting Friday night game I think uh final fixture of the weekend Newcastle sixth place in the table host Bournemouth coming off that 3-2 come from behind victory that excitement seems ages ago it was just two weeks against Nottingham Forest now these two sides haven't played since 2020 but more than two and a half goals has played in five of five both teams have scored in the last five times that these teams have played as well and this season uh both teams to, to score has come through five uh four out of five for Newcastle and Bournemouth Bournemouth have gone over the two and a half goal total in five of their six games. Newcastle, they're ripe for a victory. They have it one in three. And it looks like this little layoff is given time for Bruno Guimaraes, as well as Alan St. Maximum to get back into the team. Two vitally important players for Newcastle as well. They have a new backup goalkeeper, a former Red, uh, Andrew, and Loris Karius has joined. As Dubravka is off to United, then they need to fill up a backup role with the injury to Carl Darlow. Or Darlow. Um, Look, the three away games for Bournemouth have been all over the place in terms of goals. They lost 4-0 to Man City, 9-0 to Liverpool, and then a five-goal fixture against Nottingham Forest last time out. The goal total is mysteriously set at 2.5 for this one. That's why I wanted to point that out. Minus 116 for the over, however, plus 106 for the uh, for the under. Newcastle, a heavy favorite, minus 211 for a home win here. Um, Newcastle is a favorite with good reason, but is there a play to you that sticks out here? Yeah, I think um, Newcastle probably should win um, relatively easily in this one. I think Bournemouth sort of look like they've had a bit of a bounce from um, changing their manager. They sat Scott Parker after the, the heavy defeat at Liverpool and they've taken four points from two matches since. But when you look at those two games together, they've been outshot by 28 to 13 and by 3.0 to 1.3 expected goals. So they were certainly fortunate to, to pick up the points they have. I think we spoke last time, they they only had 0.9 expected goals at Nottingham Forest and managed to score three times. So as much as their results have picked up, the performances haven't particularly. And I think when you look at Newcastle, an interesting thing is they've already played Liverpool and City in their first six games. If you look at the other four games, they've conceded just one goal um, in those matches. And, and even against Liverpool, they only conceded once until the 98th minute. So they're, they're proving very hard to break down um, for teams this season. So I think Newcastle to win and Bournemouth not to score, that's plus 139. That looks pretty good to me, something like that. All right. Uh, that wraps up the seven fixtures of the weekend. Time to turn a focus on our Premier League bets of the weekend. What is your best bet, Andrew? Well, I, I think I wrote down on the on the on my notes. I put the Brentford Arsenal both teams to score and over two point five. But um, now I think about it, that Newcastle to win and Bournemouth not yeah. to score plus one thirty nine. That sounds pretty good as well. Yeah, 
It's exactly what I have written on my sheet. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Newcastle <laughs> to win to nil at plus 139. Bournemouth have an XG through six games of just 2.6. Newcastle have the sixth best XG in the Premier League at 11.3. That's better than Chelsea and United. They've been very good on the attack. And look, this is Eddie Howe facing his former side at home. Newcastle had one. I can go down the list. I like Newcastle to win to nil for so many reasons in this one. Plus 139. Get it while it's still available. Well, I'm not sure. This might be a first and only that two people on this show or any of our shows that are aligned for a best bet of the weekend. Did we jinx it, Andrew? Did we jinx this? Almost certainly, yeah. Bournemouth will score early, win, <laughs> win three 0 and, and uh, we'll look foolish. But uh, it's interesting. We both thought that though. It's got to be got to be a good chance. You probably don't get that too often, as you say, particularly on a, a sort of plus one thirty nine level sort of bet. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that one. My second favorite game was the Brentford game. So there we go. So we're aligned. I guess when we're limited to seven games to choose, no, still the odds and probability. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, any other business, Andrew? Anything that else that's standing out to you? No, I think it'll just be good to to have the Premier League back on in a few games. It's a shame we haven't got the full set, as we say. Um, I think Chelsea-Liverpool would have been a really interesting game. I mean, it usually is. So it is a shame that's not going ahead. But it's good that we'll have some some football back. And um, I think there's going to be some interesting games, even if a few of them do look a little one-sided. But uh, yeah, some of the ones we've mentioned should be fairly close. Good stuff. Our last weekend of Premier League football until, well, the international window opens up. And just like that, uh, so it'll be a couple more weeks till our next EPL Insights. Thank you for doing this, Andrew. Very much appreciated. A reminder to our listeners and viewers, uh, our Premier League predictions articles, weekly La Liga predictions articles, all available, pinnacle.com slash betting resources. NFL opening line is back as well with Eric Eager and Ben Brown, plus Puncher's Chance podcast returns ahead of Canelo and Triple G this weekend. I can't wait for that fight as well. At Pinnacle is where you follow on Twitter, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, myself, at Gareth Wheeler. Uh, for it to follow along with Andrew, at Base Tune to Red on Twitter as well. Odds are correct at the time of recording. And a reminder, as always, please gamble responsibly. Enjoy the Premier League weekend, Andrew. Appreciate this. Yeah, same to you. I'm happy to do this anytime. I'll stand in for, for Jake whenever he's away. Sure. Hey, let's have a good old arm wrestle. I wonder what the odds would be, whether you'd be a favorite or not against Jake. I wouldn't well, have thought so, although I've never met him, so who knows? But, um, <laughs> I, wouldn't put my, I wouldn't put any money on me, I don't think. Thumb war is more your game than the, uh, than, than the arm wrestle, perhaps. Uh, good stuff from Andrew. Good stuff for you as well. Please enjoy this weekend, and best of luck with your bets. On behalf of everyone here at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. Wheels down for this week's EPL Insights.